right. Well, good morning. Good morning. This is a little bit more livelier. Good morning. Nice good to morning. see you. Look at how y'all doing. Good it's good to see you. There we go. There we go. Got to make sure you're awake. I got plenty of sleep last night. It was so nice. I was off on a Saturday, so we had a date day. And we got to hang out, me and my wife, and go down to Universal Studios and, and go ride. Oh, I wrote as a guest, though. We just, it was so, no, no, no. I get to go as a guest and get to have fun and go ride some rides and do all that stuff and, and, and go get a good meal and, and then walk out as all the people coming in for Halloween Horror Nights and just look at my security friends going, goodbye. <laughs> have a good evening. So, so I'm 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 feeling good today. It, it was a really good day. I hope um everyone like I said had a chance to get involved with one of our small groups. Please, please, if you did not, it's not too late. It's never too late. You know, we, we'll talk more about that at the end of the service. But um, man, get involved. It's just a great way. Um, I've heard great stories already um, coming out of those as we just continue kind of this journey, answering this question: What on earth am I here for? I just it's a huge question, and it is a question that I think everyone asks that I know that everyone asks, that everyone's asking, why am I here, what am I supposed to be doing, you know, and all this stuff, and, and so this week, we start getting into kind of the meat of it, last week, we had a big kind of overview of all of it, of just really kind of getting pumped up, but this week, we're starting to get into the meat of it, and, and so uh, this week, we're, we're going to continue to talk about living your calling, now, if you guys know this, years ago, this was called the Purpose Driven Life, and I, and I love that Rick Warren um, kind of re-looked at it and stuff, and I agree with him completely. The word calling is used so many times in the New, <coughs> in the New Testament, over a hundred times, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but um, it, it's, it, it interposes with calling and purpose, and we are all called to something, and today, um, man, this is the one that sets the groundwork for everything else that we'll discuss, anything we ever discuss or anything we ever want to do in this church is going to be out of this. And it's being called to be loved. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and as always and forever, again, man, these are the only words that matter. Whether they're in your Bible, they're on a phone, or they're on the screen, these are the only words that ever, ever are going to matter. Um, these are the only words that make a difference. And so if you don't have a Bible, make sure you grab one of ours. We ordered some, another case of them. They're coming in. So it's nice to know that we're running out of Bibles out there, that people are actually taking those. And so I, I don't mind buying Bibles all the time. So please grab one. Use your um, electronic device. Just find our Wi-Fi GBC guest. Um, type in find more, all low caps. Thank you, sir. <coughs> I got a frog. <laughs> But out of respect and out of acknowledgement of authorities, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read these words um, this morning, these few short verses. In Ephesians chapter 1, um, starting at verse 4, Paul writes this. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of a will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us and the beloved one. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much um, this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather. I thank you for um, what you are doing in our midst. God, what you are going to do. But Father, right now, I just I ask that you would just help us focus on right now, right here. God, you have given us this moment, this time, to be in this place, to hear from you. 
And so, God, just remove any other distractions. All the things that weigh us down, all the things that we're thinking about back home and that are coming up this week, God, I just pray that you will just kind of set those aside in us. That you will settle us, that you will calm us, that you will focus us. God, that these words would be your words and not mine. That this wouldn't just be some campaign or some program that we're doing, God, but that you would take this and use it to change our hearts and change the lives of the people around us. God, that you would give us ears to hear this morning, give us hearts to respond, and the courage to live it out. So, Father, we just give you this time. Have your way. God, do whatever needs to be done. Say whatever needs to be said, God. Meet us where we're at, but God, change us. Make us different as we walk out today. God, we love you. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said last week, we, we were talking about living your calling, and every single person has a calling on their life. I, I believe that with all my heart. That's, it's common ground. We are all called because we are all created. And this morning, I really want to talk about this idea about called to love. But to start that, I just want us to understand, first of all, that God is love. We, we've heard that probably before. We've read it. It says it in Scripture and stuff, that God is love, that God's very nature is is love that there would be no there would be no love in the universe if God wasn't there God's the one that created everything that God created is an object of his love it is all-encompassing it is everything it is the defining moment it defines what love is it is the measurement of love God is love in in all of that look at this again in, in verse four For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in, in, excuse me, that he lavished on us in the beloved one. God is love and you and I were created and planned for, as it says, predestined. God thought about you before, long before you were born, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. God thought about you, God knew you, and God made a plan for you for his pleasure, his love. Let that just kind of sink in for a moment. That you and I were created for God's pleasure, that he did it out of his pure love and his pleasure, that that's why we were made, that's why we're here. All these people walking around this planet today going, well, why am I here? What, you know, just some random accident or, you know, I was a mistake. There are no mistakes on this planet. There are no accidents on this planet. No person on this planet that's ever been born or ever will be born is random or an accident. He was planned for. She was planned for. That's why I hate evolution. Because evolution says it's just some random act. It's just something that happens to the right genes and lightning struck and something happened and it all just came together perfectly. And it just, you know, you live, (coughs) you die, and that that's it. 
such a horrible, horrible way. I, you know, I we we did series. I think last year we did series on Sunday nights about you know just apologetics of why we believe God created and why we did all this and and talked to because it's such a big deal right now and it's become you know unfortunately it's something that's bled into the church where a lot of people have said well you know you don't have to really believe what God said in in the beginning because those are just allegories those are just stories and and everything listen I'm, I'm going to tell you this church if it says it here it that's just the way it is if God said he made it in seven in six days and then rested on the seventh he made it in six days and the seventh I, I believe that with all my heart and I believe that because I've seen so many people struggle with the idea that they look at part of this and say well if that's not true then maybe Jesus isn't true and then maybe this isn't true and I've counseled people that say well they're just having problem putting evolution and all this together because you know you know God and all and they're asking themselves, why am I here? That's weird. That was really weird. But you were planned for God's purpose. And again, remember, calling and purpose is the same thing in the New Testament. You, 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 you were called to certain things. And so your very first purpose in life, your very first purpose to be here is to be loved by God. If God is love and God made you, your first purpose is to be loved by God. Now hear me on this. You're not called first to serve. You're not called first to obey or to do something for God. The very first calling in our life is to be loved by him. In so many of our churches and in so many of our thought patterns, we have changed this, that it's something I earn or it's something I do. And, and I've got to keep my list and I've got to go to church this many times. I've got to pray this many times. I've got to give this much money. It's not about any of that stuff. That is all outflow of being loved by God in the first place. None of us can do anything that God can't do or hasn't done already. Hear that from me. We are called to be his children, to be the church, not to do his church. You are called to be loved by God first and foremost. Listen, Jude, I love this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. I love you. You know, Jude... Pretty humble guy. He's here. He's like, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. You know what that makes him? One of the other brothers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was like my brother and said, like, hey, that's my brother. Yeah. I'd be like, Jude, a brother of Jesus and James, whatever. But, <laughs> but look what he says. He says, to those who are called, loved by God the Father. All through the Bible, all, especially all through the New Testament, we hear about how God loves us. God loves us first. We love him because he loves us first. You and I are called to be loved by God. We're called to enjoy that relationship with him. We should enjoy. That's what God created us for, for that relationship. That's why it, it, back in Genesis, when, when man fell, when we chose to disobey, God's walking through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. If you look in some versions, it says, as was his custom, like he would hang out. God made us to be in a relationship with him, made us to, to, to love him, but a very special and a very different relationship. 
Not like a dog, not like a cat, not like a pet, but as children, as sons and daughters. Look, look at 1 John 3, 1. It says, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Do you understand that God, we are sons and daughters of God? For some people out there, there's people that have not had a good example of what a father looks like or a mom. And so this is hard for them to understand. But God looks at us and says, you you're my children. You're my sons and daughters. That's a unique relationship. There is nothing. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for my daughters. And if me as a fallen person would love my daughters that much, how much more would God, does God love us? Man, we, we are called to enjoy that relationship. We, we are called just to, just to live in it and, and to go in it. To go over to Ephesians 3. I read part of this last week because this is my prayer for us. This is my prayer for us every day, every time we meet. And, and, and in this, back in 16, Paul's saying, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. But look at, look at verse 17. 17 on, it says, And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if you don't hear anything else, I want you to understand how much God loves you. First of all, how wide it is. It's wide enough to be everywhere. There is no place in the planet, no place in the universe you can go that you can run away from God's love. It is wide enough to be everywhere. It is long enough to last forever. How deep, how wide, how, how long is it that, that it's never going to end? There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you've ever done to make God love you less. You are already perfectly and completely loved. It is a love long enough to last forever. It is a love deep enough to handle everything. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care what things you've gone through or what struggles you're facing now. God's love is deep enough to handle it all. God's love is deep enough to handle our hurts and our pains, our angers and our frustrations. God's love is deep enough to handle everything. And then finally, God's love is high enough to forgive my mistakes. Do you understand on this planet that there is no one, nothing unredeemable? There is no one too far gone. There's no one that can't be forgiven. There's no one that can't know the love that God gives, that God offers. Think about it. Let that sink in a little bit. You're talking about a love that's indescribable that you can't even begin to comprehend, to understand. All you can do is experience it every single day. That's our first calling. 
to be loved by God, to understand that no matter what I've done, where I've been, that God looks at me and he loves me. That if I was the only person on this planet, if I was the one with the hammer and the nail, Christ still would have died. That is a powerful love. And that love changes things. In fact, that love changes everything once we grasp it. This is this is one of my my one of my pet peeves with, with, with church people and with people that say they follow Christ and everything is that they talk about the love, but there's things that, that it should there should be a difference in us. I mean that kind of love transforms us. I was a punk and a jerk before I met my wife. That love changed me. I was a selfish idiot before I met God. That love changed me, and so it does change everything. And, and here's what it does. Here's the very first thing is, one, I'm accepted rather than ashamed. I think we live in a culture that shames. We, we live in a culture that's all about shame. Like, look what you did. Look what you did. There's accusations of people all the time. It doesn't matter if they're true or not. We just accuse because it's all about shame because most of the time we're hiding our own shame. But in God's love, and when we understand this love, it changes everything that we are accepted rather than ashamed. Look, look at what it says in Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand the Bible says that before you knew Jesus, that you were an enemy of God? I know I've been talking like God is love, God is love, but the Bible clearly says that we are God's enemy. If we don't know him. All those things that you think you've done or you can't, it's not redeemable in your life. No, God says, no, through Christ, we are declared righteous, right in God's eyes. That he looks at us and says, perfect. Can I ask you, raise your hand if you are a righteous person this morning. If you haven't raised your hand, you and I need to talk about meeting Jesus because my Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. So the moment I accept Christ, the moment I do that, in God's eyes, I am righteous. There's no shame. By the way, guilt and shame are never of God. Those are tools of our enemy. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. But guilt and shame, those things that say, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. Those are never of God. That's the enemy telling you, saying, ah, see, he can't forgive this. Wrong. He's a liar. We are accepted rather than ashamed. But this love not only changes that, but it, it, it gives us boldness. It gives us boldness that we now know because we are loved so much that we can come to God with everything and anything. That we can literally come to his throne. We can come to any need, whatever we have, we can bring it to him. In fact, that's what it says in Hebrews 4.16. He says, therefore, since we know Christ, since we've been redeemed, we've been made righteous, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small that you can't take to God. Man, when Paul wrote this, this was insane to people back then, especially the Jews, because they had a place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. There was a giant curtain there. And the only person that could go in there was the high priest. 
In fact, they were so scared of him, they tied a rope and put bells on him in case he fell dead inside the Holy Holies because nobody else could go in there. But when Christ died on the cross, when he said it is finished, the Bible says that that curtain ripped open from top to bottom. And it wasn't like someone could reach. We're talking about a curtain that's 20, 30 feet high. It's huge. The only one could reach it was God just saying, it's open now. And because of that, we have the ability, and because of this love that we receive and this love that we can experience, we have the ability to have boldness to literally go up to God's throne and say, here's what's happening. God, here's what I need. And by the way, God always answers. It may not be the answer you like, but he always answers. Yes, no, wait. I think sometimes we get so nervous, oh, well, God doesn't care about that. God cares about, the Bible says he counts the hair on the heads. For some of us, that's a lot easier for God than for the rest of us. He cares about every detail. And because of this love, we can come boldly to him. Not only do we get accepted rather than shamed and, and boldness to bring our needs, but we get peace in pain. If you truly understand how much God loves you, if you truly are just enveloped and enraptured by that love, we get peace. It doesn't mean that we are exempt from pain. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. I know some people will preach that. There's a bunch of people out there saying, if you just have enough faith, everything will go right, everything will be perfect for you. If things aren't going good, it's because you don't have enough faith. They're idiots. I'm sorry, they're morons because they're not reading the same scripture because Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. They hate me. They're going to hate you. It doesn't mean that we're exempt from pain. We live in a fallen, broken world. Loved ones get sick. Loved ones fall ill. Things happen. Economies crash. We lose stuff. We lose everything. We gain. It doesn't mean that we're going to be exempt, but it, we know, we know that with that love that God is going to work it all out in the end. We get peace and pain. In fact, that's what Paul's talk about in Philippians 4, 7. He's, he's praying, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and your mind. That's important to me because I get like crazy thoughts. I sit here and think like, oh, gosh, this happened, that happened. Oh, no, this is going to happen. I get a call from uh, Universal like, hey, can you come down to like the supervisor's office? I'm like, God, I'm going to get yelled at. What did I do? And I'm a worry ward. God's peace, when we understand, we love it, says it doesn't matter what happens or what the world throws. I mean, it's going to guard my heart. It's going to guard my mind. And I know that God's going to work it all out. And I don't have to understand how. I love that he puts it in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't have to know how in this planet i just need to know who that's all that matters and so we're accepted rather than ashamed we're, we get boldness to go to god with anything in the midst of the craziness and the brokenness of this world we can find peace and live peace and let others see the peace that flows in us but not only that we get courage to take risks 
We should have courage to take risk. We should be able to accomplish great things. God is saying you're going to be able to do stuff that you could never imagine. Do you know what Jesus said before he left? He says, you're going to do more than I ever did. God in flesh, the creator walking on this planet for three years, doing amazing, incredible things, looks at us and says, you're going to do more than I did. You're going to accomplish more than I accomplished just in these three years. You're going to do amazing things. And we can do that because Paul talks about back in Romans. He says, if God's for us, who can be against us? Do you understand? My dad is bigger than everybody else's dad. There is nothing that he can't handle. There's nothing that he can't do. There's nothing that he can't accomplish. There's no limits to his power, no, no limits to what is, a, is possible with him. And so because of that, I can have courage to take risk. I should not live in fear. In fact, that's what 1 John 4.18 says. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who, who fears is not complete in love. If you are living life in fear, we need to talk because you and I don't know the same God. I don't care about, uh, I do care, but it doesn't matter about how your health is, how your finances is, how your family is, any of that stuff. If you're living in fear, I just want you to know that you and I need to talk. Because we should be bold, we should be courageous. Which means when, when you see that person across the hallway or across your street or down the cubicle in your office, and you're like, I want to tell them about Jesus, but you know, you know I mean? I mean, take courage. Because perfect love casts out fear. We have a God that's in control of it all. Every time we say, I'm afraid, we're saying, God, you're not sovereign in this. I just want you to know that. We can be bold. And then finally, the last thing that this love, what this love does is we worship instead of worry. Now, that's a word that we've thrown around in Christian circles, that idea of worship. In, in fact, the theme of this week is that your purpose in life is to worship God, made for God's pleasure. We get to do that because we're loved so much. But it's not a Sunday thing. It's not a singing thing. It is a lifestyle thing. And can I tell you something? Worry is a warning sign. I know this because, I, like I said, I'm a worry wart. And as soon as worry starts crapping in, I'm, uh, cr creeping in and, and start like invading my thoughts and stuff. I know, I, got, I know that's a warning sign that I have to stop because here's what Jesus said. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If our focus is on God's love, if our focus is on his love for us and my life being worship and my life being like, Everything that I have is because God loves me. I'm enveloped by love. Nothing can change that. Then what on earth do I have to worry about? If I become homeless, I got a mansion in heaven that Christ is building for me. I just want you to think about that. How long does it, you want to build a new house right now? It takes about like six months if you build a brand new house. Do you understand for 2,000 years Jesus has been up there building your house? What's that going to look like? 
See, I don't have to worry. I'm not going to starve to death. <laughs> I'm good for like two weeks on this. I mean, I, I'm good. Some of you, maybe a week. But me, I'm good for two. Some of you, three or four. <laughs> God says, I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm going to provide what you need. Not everything you want, but what you need. So don't worry. But focus on his kingdom. That's what worship is. That means everything I do is focused on his kingdom. I have the job that I have. And I'm in the school that I'm at. I'm in the neighborhood I'm at because there's someone here that needs to see Jesus. I can worship God on a daily basis. Get worship out of the church and the world will begin to worship. Keep worship in the church and nothing's going to happen. That's our problem. We're keeping worship in the church. And you and I were created for God's pleasure to be loved by him. And so why wouldn't we just shout that out everywhere we go? Listen, when she said yes, I told everyone. I went and told everyone and said, she said yes. I called my dad. I called my mom. I, I went down the street, perfect strangers. People just looked they think I was nuts going, she said yes. She loves me. Why don't we do that when God looked at us and said, I love you? Why doesn't that show on our face? You're created to be loved by God and to love him back. That's worship. John MacArthur says this, worship is simply glorifying God. This means there's nothing required of us that cannot be done as an act of worship. Do you understand that there's nothing that can't be worshiped? Taking the trash out for your parents can be an act of worship if you do it with the right heart. Walking down the street, whatever you do, can be an act of worship when we understand that we are enveloped and overcome and overflowed with this love. That's what this is about. Each week we have a memory verse going along for our study, and this this is this week, Romans six thirteen. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but all those who are alive from the, the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness, as acts of worship. Later on in Romans, Paul would say, Offer yourself as a living as a living sacrifice. This is our act of worship. My kids, my job, my, my friends, my, 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 my fun, my everything. God, I just, I give it to you. Because all of it is worship. Because you created me to bring you pleasure. You created me to be in a relationship with you. You created me to worship you. And it's the only time you worship God is when we sing some songs that you don't worship God. It's the only time we worship is when and only time we that's all worship. It is us responding to God's love in our lives. You know that, right? I mean, there's great, like thick theological books on worship and all kinds of stuff. I just want to break it down for you. It is us responding to God's love in our life. That's all it is. 
And my prayer for us and for you is that you experience that love every day. Because if that's the fact, then you should respond to it every day. You know, as I, as I go to work and stuff, I try, to, I try to leave early, and I'm on I-4, so I've got plenty of time. And this past week, you know, usually I put on, like, Fox News or something, and I'm listening to the news trying to catch up, and I, it's just, it's depressing. <laughs> I was like, God, no wonder I just, I don't, you know, how, how am I going to be a light for you when all I do is just keep putting a bushel over my light? Oh, no, you know? <laughs> and so I just put on praise music now. And I just let it just ring in there. And so by the time I get to work, people are like coming up like, oh, we're at work again. How are you doing today? I'm like, I'm living the dream. <laughs> and they're like, you're on crack. I'm like, no, better. Jesus. I actually said it this week. This lady this week, she's so mad because they got p- rid of Harry Potter weekend. And they moved Rock the Universe to um to february they're moving it to february and this girl's like we don't need any more jesus i'm like you are so wrong <laughs> i hear you every day in that office you need jesus and she's like don't don't preach at me and it's like i'm not you started it you brought him up she's like why are you in a good mood it's just because i do have jesus why are you in a bad mood because you don't see everything is worship Everything is about God. And that's, that's what we're called to live. Not When we hide it, when we put it under a bushel, when, when we just don't live it, you've become a weapon for unrighteousness. That's a hard word. But when we're not living it out, you're showing the world there's a different way. But when we do, when we get this, when, when we understand that we are called to be loved first, the world will see it. Listen, all the things we're going to talk about from here on out after this week, when, when, we, when we talk about about being part of a family, being part of, you know, why it's important to be part of fellowship. You were created to be in family and be connected to one another. We're created to, to be in ministry, you know, to serve others and do that. We're created to be on mission. All, none of that stuff happens if we don't get this. Everything else we talk about, everything else we even try to do, no matter what kind of outreach plan we have, we're, we're collecting clothes, we're doing toys, we're doing classes. We're, it doesn't matter if we don't get this first. Because it's not about what you do for God. It's that he made you to love you, to be in a relationship with him. We do because we're loved. It's a response. It's not, it's not a cause and effect. It, it's not, I do this to be loved. I do this because I am loved. That's what I want you to hear this morning. That's what I want you to experience in this. What on earth are you here for? You'll never get it if you don't start with Jesus. You won't. You'll never be able to answer that question if you don't understand the very first thing we are called, we are purposed to be is to be in a relationship with our Creator.
and to be loved by him. And thus loving him by worship in everything that we do. That's where we start. Let's see where we go from here. Let's pray.